Big Ten Backers Podcast. This is your podcast for Big Ten football or anything college football related. From Jim Harbaugh's shirtless escapades to Brett Billima's hog-sized waistline with Ryan Day's beard dye or anything else in between. Big Ten Backers has the headlines from around the college football landscape. Oh, hey there, Big Ten Backers. This is your host, AJ, with Buckeye Steve. We just call him Dop Beef. Grab a beer. We'll put college football in your ear. Let's rock and roll. I got mine. Big Ten Roundup. This is our Midwest Corn Fest Game of the Week. Number six, Ohio State at number nine, Notre Dame. 7.30 p.m. on NBC. Beef. This one is a monster of a game. You got two giants of the Midwest. Fight for this playoff run. Let's fucking get on it. Notre Dame, man. They need to prove that they can win a big game against a big-time program. Ohio State needs to prove it's not a busted nut. And you know they can't afford to give any more room to the castle that they once owned to Michigan. Heavy, boy. This game is heavy. Day is feeling like a queen. Under pressure. With his performances lately in big games, he is under pressure. Let's look at the history before we get into this specific game. The history here is intense. Yeah, the first and fourth winningest programs in college football. They are tied first for the most Heisman winners. They are second and first in All-Americans. Third and first in draft picks. First and fourth in first round draft picks. They are sixth and second championships in college football. Ohio State and Notre Dame have played seven times. Ohio State winning the last five. There was 81,000 people in attendance in the first meeting in 1935. In 1950, they said this was the game of the century. Beef, now that we talked about our grandmother's era of Ohio State and Notre Dame, what you got for me? I just want to fill you in on a trip I had back in 2006 to the Fiesta Bowl in Tempe, Arizona. Man, A.J. Hawk was dating Brady Quinn's sister. She wore that split jersey. I think what I remember the most about that game was Notre Dame traveled well, man. I was used to being in a stadium that was 80% Ohio State fans when I went to games like that. Man, it was split right down the middle. We didn't outnumber them one bit, but they didn't outnumber us one bit. And that place was just electric the whole game. I mean, finally, Smith and Ginn took over, but it was an awesome game. These games just don't happen that often. I mean, they're played like once every... 17, 20 years. The last time we played a regular season game at Notre Dame was 1996, I believe, 1995, 96, somewhere in there. We, we don't get this opportunity. We had to go. We had to pay the big money for a ticket and head out there. Yes, sir. And prior to that was like 50 years before they played. But let's get into this game, the specific game in this season. Notre Dame is scoring 50 points per game, near 55% third down completion. That's 11.4 yards per pass at 304 per game. On the ground, 5.9 yards per carry, 204 yards per game on the ground. Quick math, Beef, that's 508 total in average. This offense is humming. Yeah, but circling it back to that running game, man, Audric Estime, he's really coming to his own, man. First in the nation in running. First in the nation in rushing yards. 63 carries for 521 yards and five touchdowns. This is just a completely different team than it was last year. What do you think? I mean, Notre Dame is tied for the number 14 team in the nation, giving up only 14.7 points per game. I mean, they're only giving up 4.1 yards per play. 33% third down completion rate. The defense is good. The offense is good. Marcus Freeman has found offense in this 2023. I mean, there's no more goodwill QBs back there. They have themselves a man. They have a stud at quarterback. This is a dangerous team for these Buckeye nuts. Now, Ohio State, not the offense that they're used to running. They're at 40.3 points per game, 318 passing yards per game, at 9.9 yards per attempt, but only 156 rushing yards at 5.2 per attempt. What's scary for Buckeye fans is Ohio State's abysmal third down completion at only 35%. Yeah, man, you match that with their third down completion rate, it's going to be tough. I mean, it's tough. I mean, Ohio State's defense is only giving up 3.4 per play, 
They're the number two scoring defense thus far this season. At a stone-cold stunning 26% third down completion rate. So the offense isn't where it used to be, but this defense is a lot better. And boy, does Knowles need to earn his paycheck this year. Buckeye Nation is counting on Knowles. What you got, Beef? Damn, Sam Hartman is changing the dynamic of this Notre Dame offense. It's completely different than it was last year. Just like I talked about with rushing, they're doing awesome in passing too. Fifth in the nation for passing yards. He is 64 of 90 for 71.1 completion percentage, 1,061 yards, 13 touchdowns. Versus Ohio State's guy, the man, the myth, the legend, Marvin Harrison Jr., 14 receptions for 304 yards. 21.7 yard average and three touchdowns. Not quite the year Marvin Harrison wanted to have, but they're going to start getting that ball to him a little more. Just think about this. Picture what we have here. Touchdown Jesus versus Script Ohio. Gold helmets versus the Buckeye leaves. All greens and all grays and Ohio boy leading the Domers versus his alma mater. It's going to be a hell of a matchup, man. The finest football has to offer. Just let this sink in. Nothing screams Catholic hypocrisy like paying for real gold on your helmets when charities are in need. But hey, I bought a ticket to watch too, so I can't talk shit. Yeah, let's get into predictions, man. You got the silver bullets against the golden domes. When that whistle blows, you're going to see sparks of flying of silver and gold, baby. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to get to this game. I'm picking the Buckeyes. 36-31. That's my score, Beef. What you got? I mean, this game boils down to a few matchups. Does Notre Dame stop Marvin Harrison Jr.? I think with Freeman's defensive background, they find a way to buckle him up, get two guys on him at all times, make sure he doesn't get the ball. No defender, no defensive coordinator wants to get beat by the best man on the team. So with that, what do they do? Does Emeka Abuka take over? Does Henderson step it up and have a big-time game? I mean, anytime he touches the ball, it could be a touchdown. Then the defense, they both have been stout all year so far, but Notre Dame showed it against a far better team in NC State. Ohio State hasn't faced that type of competition yet. Does Ohio State have an advantage with the D-line? I think so. Versus Notre Dame's offensive line, is it enough to rattle Sam Hartman a little bit? I don't think so, man. I think Sam Hartman is a difference maker in this game, and I got 27-24 Notre Dame. Bad as that burns to say, unless we get some production out of Kyle McCord, I think Notre Dame takes this one in a squeaker. I mean, we've been blessed, Beef. Like, super blessed. I mean, this freaking slate of college football is amazing. I mean, we got the wideout. Number 24, Iowa, at number 7, Penn State. 7.30 on CBS. It's a damn shame that these games are on at the same time. But the wideout is here. It's the most electrifying stadium experience in all American football. This is one of my favorite things to see. The sights, the sounds, the crowd, the atmosphere. 106,000 dressed in white. This ain't no wedding, folks. These fans came to fight, and they will, just because you're the opposing team and there. Yeah, man, I've been there for, I've talked about it before, even on here on the podcast. You have fans throwing a full beer at you when you have to duck hit their own cars with it. But I've had a piece of barbecue chicken thrown at me, which I seriously contemplated picking up and eating, but of course I didn't. And they even threw bags of piss on the Ohio State band. I mean, that was like obviously the 10% of population there that's doing stupid stuff. But the entire stadium is crazy. I mean, standing, cheering the whole game. You don't hear people saying, you need to sit down. I paid for these seats. Shit like that. You don't hear that at Penn State. Not on a whiteout. It's just electric. And man, we talked to a guy that on our Facebook that's going to go for the first time. Longtime Penn State fan, Matt Hag. Man, I hope you enjoy yourself. Have a good time. Soak in that environment. Yeah, speak of that environment. Hawkeye fans, good luck, man. Please call Big Ten backers and let us know you made it home safe. That's a tough Tough environment. We talked about this last week, Beef. Manny Diaz has been a dream come true for Franklin. I mean, this Franklin has to be hard pressed about this hire. This defense has grabbed many turnovers. Another shout out to Diaz with that Manny there. The O has looked good as well. 467 yards per game, 208 rushing, 259 passing. This is a well-balanced offense. The Hawkeye defense, I mean, everybody knows this defense. They have been the heart and soul and the only functioning part of this team, to be blunt. Brian did do his part last week. He got his points. But I'm sorry, Brian. Back to the basement against this Penn State team. Not even going to look at offensive stats here. The defense is good. The O is bad. Enough said. 
we've gone ahead. Oh, you may not look at it, but I'm looking at it. Yeah, we're not going to get a round of applause for Brian this week. If they score 14, I'd be surprised. And this ain't Western Michigan. So let's take a look at Cade McNamara's offensive stats. 53.5% completion percentage for 417 yards. But what really sticks out is four touchdowns, three interceptions. I mean, that is awful. This is against stiff competition of like, you know, Western Michigan, Iowa State, and Utah State. Now, if he turns it over this much, which I think he will, he's going to have to move to Kirk Ferentz's basement and join the offensive coordinator, Brian, to escape all the ridicule they're going to get in their life. Take a look at the opposite side. Drew Isle, in his first year starting, 59 of 88 for 67% completion percentage, 737 yards and four touchdowns, no picks, man. I hate to say it, but it's going to be a blowout. Maybe, maybe that Iowa defense can keep it close. I mean, I'm going blowout too. Give me Penn State, 30 to 17. What's your score? I concur, but after thinking about it a little more, I'm going to take it down a notch. 27-10. That's fair. Still still pretty much a blowout in my books. But, Beef, we're going to be at another game on Friday night. We're going to be traveling on down the West Lafayette for Wisconsin at Purdue in this Friday night 7 p.m. game on Fox Sports 1. Can the Badgers bounce back after their disappointing road trip to Pullman? Much like your overweight cousin snacking on cheese curds. Boy, that didn't work out too well going out to Pullman. They do have the running game going at 5.7 per pop, but this passing TD to interception ratio is the same. So it's not well done. Terrible passing game so far for Wisconsin. Purdue has lost two of its first three, including a stunning loss to San Diego State and an ass-kicking from the Orange and Cues. Another Big Ten team that doesn't like drives. They spend all the time in the world just hand the ball over to the other team. So they can practice defense, I guess. How many turnovers do they have? I mean, apparently all of them. Dude does not like the ball. Walters needs to get this shit figured out fast. Or they'll go from the Big Ten West champs to irrelevant quickly. They definitely handed them over just like them. I mean, turnovers and third down conversion rate at 39%. Like, if they're not handing the ball over, they're just going three and out. I mean, overconsumption of going for it on fourth down, too. I mean, they're only at 33% on fourth down. This is a shit, shit performance by Purdue. You got anything to add? Paging Dylan Mulvaney and Caitlin Jenner. Man, they're turning balls away more than a transgender. Man, they're giving balls away more than a transgender. Despite the doom and gloom, these are both teams that could even end up winning the West, which is completely horseshit. Oh, wait, no, it's like that creamy dog shit you step on and can't get it off of your shoes. It's fucking disgusting, man. Keep You keep smelling that. We need to get rid of divisions three years ago. It's been awful. Other conferences were doing it. Of course, the Big Ten's always last to do it. So they're going to start doing it next year, but it's a year too late. Man, the West has never won, and they're never going to win. It's just like, man, I don't know. It's just boring. I mean, the West is bad. The West is real, real bad. It's neither here nor there. It's here. Let's talk about these predictions, man. I'm taking Wisconsin a close one just because they're on the road on a Friday. 24-21. Badges. Yeah, I'll take Chesma Lucy here. Per don't, we'll lose this one. Maybe in like an overtime, but same score. Right on. Well, man. Ruckers, man. Ruckus. Fucking ruckus. Undefeated. 3-0. and Taking their team out to play number two Michigan at noon on the Big Ten Network. Rutgers, man, they have the best running team in the Big Ten. And it's coming to the big house. These Knights are averaging 211 per game on the ground. Just under 50% on third down conversion. Wait a second, you're talking, or, wait just, a second, you're talking Rutgers? I'm talking Rutgers. This same Rutgers team that is at almost 50% third down conversion rate. Little Shiano. Got a surprise team in these Rutgers. Michigan didn't look the best last week. They get a chance to bend. They get a chance to bounce back in this nooner. The turnover bug hit Michigan. Luckily against Bowling Green. If that happens again, these Knights just might hang around. But they're still not going to win. But Jim Harbaugh returns to the sidelines. The cameras sure haven't missed his ugly mug uh, and his ugly ass embarrassing press conferences. So I guess we can look forward to at least having his awkwardness back. Michigan has the highest ranked scoring defense in college football. Yes, the teams have been bad. We know, but they're doing what they should. 402 yards per game on offense. Rushing at 4.9 per attempt, 10.2 per attempt on passing, over 52% third down completion. They are negative in the turnover department. Beef, 
go ahead and talk to me about your favorite person, Jim Harbaugh. Hey, man. Awkwardness aside, he's won the Big Ten two years in a row. He deserves all the credit. He's got J.J. McCarthy. I think he has the best completion percentage in the nation right now. They got a great team. Rutgers is tricky. Shiano will throw out all the stops. I talked about this before. He's going to do trick plays. He's going to do reverses. He's going to do flea flickers. He's going to do anything he can, onside kick, fake punt, whatever it is to stay in the game. I look for them to stay in the game early with some of those. After we get past the second quarter, blowout fashion, Michigan takes over. And they're playing like the champ of the Big Ten. Right on. I got my score at 37-17 Michigan. What you got? Yeah, maybe like a 42-23 game. Right on. So we got Maryland at Michigan State, 330 on NBC. Well, Maryland spot Michigan State 14 before scoring. Well, Michigan State score before the fourth quarter. That's what we're here for, Beef. That's what we're here to talk about. Maryland comes out the gate slow, then bloodies their opponent from there. Let's see how this goes this time. Running game has been strong for Maryland, 5.2 yards per carry. They do it in the air at 304 per game. Michigan State was a good defensive team stat-wise until Washington and the Phoenix came and ruined that in two quarters. Michigan State is in pure rebuilding mode. Ugly season ahead. Beef, go ahead. I'm not so sure it was Michigan State being that bad. And just Washington being that good, man. If you look at this Maryland team, their offense scores 39.3 points a game, tied for 26th in the nation. Their defense is allowing 13.33 points per game, putting it up in the top 15 in the nation as well. Darius Taylor is 10 in the nation with rushing and has 334 yards. This is a good team, man. They have weapons all around. What people are overlooking is they got a good defense, too. It's not just that high-flying offense with Talia Tungavailoa and Corey Deitches, who's a tight end and is awesome. They have this team rolling. I got them winning big 54-10. to 10. Right on. I got this one at 34-24, Maryland. Minnesota goes on the road to Northwestern for their second road game in a row, 6.30 on Big Ten Network. Will Northwestern get its first win in the Big Ten? When you take the beatdowns from the likes of Duke and Rutgers, you don't get no airtime. Golden Gophers get back from Tar Heel country and get a win on the road easily this time. Not a whole lot of meat on this chicken. Minnesota's offense has been garbage. They haven't found any replacements for the star power they had last year. They're at 17 points a game, 5 yards per pass attempt, and 148 yards to the air per game. Greek freak? I mean, that's the Greek freak? Let's not be talking about football. He must be a freak somewhere else. Because this freak don't eat. Got skinny ass syndrome beef. Callie, lick of my anus. That's who you're talking about, right? The Greek freak? Yes, sir. The quarterback at Minnesota, man. He looked decent in that first game we saw him. We were there watching him against Nebraska. He looked like he might, you know, develop into a pretty nice quarterback. But man, I'm starting to get tired of talking about Minnesota and even more tired of talking about Northwestern. Minnesota is another shitty West team. Big Ten West, but they could still make it to the Big Ten championship game. And and I'm going to chalk up a win to Minnesota. I mean, Northwestern is the worst of the worst. They're the Colorado of last year. They're going to be the dumpster fire for the foreseeable future. The only thing they had going for them was a coach that they got rid of. He's gone. They suck. Minnesota all the way. I'm with you. Give me Minnesota 31-10. to 10. They score some points finally. What you got, B? Minnesota racking up the points. End of nothing. We're kind of running out of cupcakes, but let's get on Brett Bildema's cupcakes. We got Florida Atlantic at Illinois at 3.30 on Big Ten Network. Next, we got Louisiana Tech at Nebraska. Another win for Nebraska. Going to be 2-2 two and two on the season. Yes, sir. And then we got Akron going all the way to Indiana for a night game at 7.30 on the Big Ten Network. But Beef, think it's time. Bzzz, bzzz. You hear that? I hear it. That's the ball trimmer. That's the ball trimmer, son. We got to get that ball trimmer out, and we need to trim this landscape. Thank the Lord. It's about time. This is a loaded schedule. The most loaded schedule since 2006. Fire up them barbecues. Get them ready. Call some friends. Call your family. Get them over. Get them beers cold and enjoy this shit. Because these kind of Saturdays, they don't come too often. Enjoy it, man. Got number four Florida State at Clemson. 
Florida State defense has looked bad last week. Florida State hasn't won one in Death Valley in a long time. Look at Tennessee last week. Some teams just don't play well in certain situations, just like Tennessee in the swamp. Florida State is a low-end defense, allowing 391 yards per game, most of that through the air. Can the Tigers of Clemson attack that Florida State defense? Clemson is a yards-producing offense, and they produce a lot of points, but that's only been in their non-Power 5 matches. They struggled to get points on Duke, only getting seven in the opener. Yeah, that's the real difference here. The quality of the opponent. It's like comparing Rihanna to Kathy Lee Gifford. Ugh, that bitch gives me creeps just saying her name. I mean, look at this. Let's look at the total yards for start. Florida State has 466. Clemson, 489.3. But let's look at who they played against to get those yards. Florida State played Boston College, LSU, and Southern Miss. All decent teams. While Clemson had Duke, Florida Atlantic, and Charleston Southern. Not really much of a challenge there. Although Duke did give them a loss. So the question is, who is Clemson? Dabo hasn't been dabbing lately. They came upon a secluded island of misfit teams the last couple years. Dabo did some new hires, but he's been critical of the portal. Meanwhile, Florida State has taken full advantage building their roster. That's another interesting dynamic of this game, B. What you got? Yeah, now everyone is on the bandwagon with Florida State now. We had them at three to start the year. Got all kinds of shit for it. Even after they beat LSU, I got Jordan Travis passing to this transfer of Keon Coleman and Jimmy Wilson for the win. Keon Coleman out of Michigan State last year. What you got? What's your prediction? Just because Florida State's on the road and they don't do a good job in Death Valley, 34-31, Florida State wins it. Another huge game. Number 15, Ole Miss at number 13, Alabama. Saban is against the wall. He's never been in this henpecked V position before. Will he and Bama get owned? Saban hasn't lost two at home in September since he started there in Roll Tide Nation. Man, Bama fans don't know what to do here. They haven't seen a Bama team like this in close to 16 years. Do they cuckold on Saban? Questionable teams, not named Texas, they have only averaged 367 yards per game, only 197 through the air, and even the ground game is only getting 171. Is this the beginning of the end of Saban's run? Or is this just a hiccup on their way back? If they win this, everything Alabama strides for this season is still up for the goat to grab. Lose this, and who knows what this team does for the rest of the season. Lane Kiffin finally has a shot at his old man. If he doesn't get the W here, he will always be the lame kitten he's always been. He's been all mouth and no balls. Will he return the favor and actually beat Saban this time? Ole Miss offense is rolling at 5.1 yards per carry, 11.9 yards per pass, and 526.7 yards per game. Alabama may be in trouble. Yeah, I started to say this before, for the Texas game, but then I backtracked. Saban, in his 70s, is the beginning of the end. He's no longer the king, the king at college football. And he's starting to fade with every year. And unlike Mel Tucker, he'll lose his grip on that Saban dynasty. Lane train continues with Texas just got started. And the losses against former assistants will start to pile up. Jackson Dart, he's going to be the man. He has been the man. He's been 45 of 68 for a 66.2 completion percentage for 852 yards seven touchdowns, and one interception. And also on the ground, he's got 32 carries for 213 yards. That's 6.7 yards a carry and two touchdowns. Jalen Milford, he has no identity. No identity in that offense, at least. And this lack of identity loses the game due to the coaches not not utilizing his skill set. Get him out, let him run, pass on the run, and make plays, baby. 
that's what he needs to be doing for them to win. What's your prediction? Because I got him big. 44 to 24, you got. Hmm. That'd be a devastating loss for Bama and Saban. I'm picking Bama 28-24. They hold on for another fight in the SEC. But Beef, let's get on these quickies. Let's get these AJ and Beef best quickies. We got BYU at Kansas, 3.30 on ESPN. BYU on the road again against another talented foe. Jalon Daniels for Kansas looks spectacular. Kansas for the dub. Right on. We got some huge, huge games out in the Pac-12, so you know what that means. Bringing in the duck. Let's get Quackman himself, Jamie the Duck on the line. His ducks have a massive game on their hand, along with some other great games going on in the pack. Jamie, you there? Oh, I'm here. I'm not sure if it's massive, but it's definitely massive in the eyes of the media. So, let's get it going. That's what matters. So, man, me and you, we were talking offline about these pack done quarterbacks. You brought up some interesting facts and stats, man. Get at it. Share it to the world. Man, I was going over these QB stats and what they've done in the Pac-12, and we already know they've been the talk of the town. They've been putting on a show, but I'm looking at the top five QBs in the Pac-12 right now. An interesting name that's been added to the mix is Cam Ward out of Washington State. He's the, he's the five guy back there, but... You add up their numbers. So you look at Penix Jr., Shadur Sanders, Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, and Cam Ward. You put all five of those QBs together. They're adding up right now for 5,344 yards, a completion percentage of 76.1, which is phenomenal, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. You combine those 51 touchdowns two interceptions that's the stat that stood out to me that was the one that i was like are you serious 51 touchdowns two interceptions that blew my mind damn is that a product of the defense no one's picking anything off or they just studs all over that's big 10 defenses too beef you know they, they've been playing different teams across the board you know some of these are preseason games and and those are some of the numbers but even in preseason games you're working out the kinks man and and to have only yeah. two interceptions for five quarterbacks through what's that 15 games total out of that that's pretty damn good so what is the pack done Heisman race? Stack up. Where are they at? Okay, so last week, you know, I had my top five, everything, but I'm going to put it out there that, that this is a, a role, like, this is a list that is today, like, this is where they sit right now. This isn't a projection of where they will be. This is what they've shown me so far. So, that being said, I got some changes. Number one, specifically, Michael Penix Jr. What he did to Michigan State, you two bared witness, 35-0 at half, 275 yards and four touchdowns before halftime. The display he put on had to vault him to the top of the list. He's leading the Pac-12's leading offense. You know, he's got 1,332 yards, 74.3% completion percentage, 12 touchdowns, one interception, only having one sack. That's why he's the top of my list. Next up, Caleb Williams. You knew he wasn't going to be too far down. He is an exceptional player. The thing is, he really hasn't been tested. He's been out by halftime in most games. You know, I think at the end of the year, after all these tests have been done, he probably will be the guy that, that wins the Heisman again. The The stuff there is you got no interceptions and only three sacks, and the big games are, are coming up, and, and that's where I think he rises back up to the top of that list. You, you can call me a chicken on this one, AJ, but uh, I got a 3A and a 3B. Bo Nix, Shadur Sanders. I'm not sure where to put them amongst each other, but guess what? I can I can wait till next week and it's going to tell me tell me that result. So, I got Bo Nix, you know, he's been playing lights out. He's been a very efficient quarterback. He had a good comeback win against Texas Tech, zero interceptions while only giving up one sack. Shadur Sanders, he's got even more yards, more touchdowns. He's played against arguably harder opponents on bigger stages, but this last week couldn't be ignored. Did he put up good stats? Yeah, but 
Should he have been losing to a Colorado State team in that moment? Probably not. But he showed that he's got the dog in him. And, you know, he'd made me excited to watch him. But his glaring statistic is 15 sacks he's given up. I mean, that that's not going to pass when you go up against some of these tougher defenses that are coming. Oregon Ducks are coming. Utah is coming. Oregon State's coming. A lot of people are coming. I know you'd like that one. So, number... (laughs) (laughs) Last but not least, I talked about him before. Number five, Cam Ward. He's the new addition. He's had an interesting three weeks. You know, we talked about Colorado State earlier. He beat them 50-24 to on the road in week one. He beat Wisconsin at home. And then in week three, he only played a half of football, and he still put up 327 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. That was against Northern Colorado. Very much a preseason style game, but still to put up those numbers was impressive. And the teams that he's played before that have been no joke. You know, it's it's hard to argue with his stats and he's up there for a reason. Uh, sad to see Travis Hunter. I was all in on Travis Hunter be removed from the list. But, you know, with him not playing, it's it's hard to put him up there. So that's what I got. That's my one through five. Hey, can I just I like it, man. Dive into these stats a little bit. Absolutely. So Michael, Michael Phoenix Jr., has the most yards out of in the NCAA, 1,332 yards. Sador Sanders second with 1,251. Your boy Cameron Ward is down there at number six. Bo Nix is down there, too, at number 16, 893. But, man, the, the touchdowns. Michael Penix is, again, number one at 12, and Sador Sanders got 10 touchdowns. Cameron Ward has nine, and Bo Nix down here has eight. So, I mean, they're all up there in, like, the top 15 range, too. I mean, it's it's impressive what they're doing. It's amazing. I think it's impressive when you look at Bo Nix and Caleb Williams. Like, they've really only been playing about a half of football most games. You know, the the efficiency they've been able to put up in that amount of time. You know, I don't I don't think they've been tested much as QBs in other conferences. I mean, even Shadur Sanders been tested so far. I, I think they continue to put up the, the stats. I, I'm excited to see the competition play out because they'll all be playing each other like we keep talking about. I agree. And then you get, you get in the week four, you start getting in. Into those these are who these players are it's not weird stats it's not bad competition it's who they are so after this week we'll know who we got and what they are if you go even further with the completion percentage then you got a few of them in the top 10 which is impressive bo nix at number six caleb williams at number five sador sanders at four michael penix is 10 yeah he's sitting pretty good 74.3 is nothing to scoff about you know uh cam ward brings it down with the 72 and even that's phenomenal for most most people, sure, you know, so seventy six point one is an average out of all five of them. Seventy used to be unheard of just a few years ago. It's impressive what these quarterbacks are doing, and these offenses are doing, man. Let's let you move on, AJ. What you got? All right, so glad I get to move on. It's always about moving on, right, man? When you get to move on to this number nineteen, Colorado at number ten, Oregon, prime time. Neon Dion gets to cut the buff's teeth on an actual contender and a dominant team in college football in these Ducks. He takes this team on the road playing hostile Autzen Stadium for the first time. Dan Lanning's Ducks have looked dominant early, but neither one of these teams have played competition like this. There's a lot of wants and dreams behind these buffs. Do the Ducks come to end this Cinderella at midnight? Jamie. What you got? Me being an Oregon fan, some of this might come across as bias, but I absolutely do believe that they are here to end that Cinderella story. I have enjoyed watching what Coach Prime has brought, what his players have brought. They brought heart. They brought a different aspect to the game, you know, using the transfer portal, building things on hard work. I'm excited what they brought, but unfortunately, <laughs> Oregon, USC next, this this Cinderella story's over for now they don't get either of those games you look at like just statistics here you got the number 12 defense in the whole pac 12 and they're versing against the number two offense in the pac 12 we'll see how that works out you know the one thing colorado's got going for them they're the number two passing offense but 
You look on the other side of the field, Oregon's the number one passing defense in the Pac-12. So some of these stuff is going to get balanced out. Oregon's the number two scoring team in the nation. They're going up against the number 11 points allowed defense in the Pac-12. All these things, they're going to get shaken out. They're missing their star in Travis Hunter. They can't stop the run that Oregon's going to bring. You know, this is going to be their biggest test as of yet. You know, both of them, I'd say it's their biggest test as of yet. But I think Oregon's primed to run away with this. I'm looking forward to the game. I'm looking forward to the hype train to be over. But been fun while it lasted. I'm with you, man. What did we say? 15 sacks that he's had, Sador? 15. 15 sacks. So Dan Lanning's a defensive guy coming over from Georgia, right? Absolutely. Sador is going to be on his back all night, and it's not like he's going to be at her sorority house. So it's not going to be looking good. There's no matchup. I mean, the offensive line, the defensive line is what they need to build. They have skill players for days. That only gets you so far. They're going to have to hit that transfer portal a little harder. 63 wasn't enough. Next year, they're going to need some more. They're going to have to recruit that good. If Warren Sapp comes over and coaches the offense or the defensive line, that's going to make things different. I'm sure they'll get those recruits real quick, but they're going to need that. They're not going to stack up against the big boys. The Cinderella story is over. That chariot is a fucking pumpkin. It's over. I love Colorado. I love what he's doing. I'm with you on that. I love Dion. I love the sunglasses. I love the cowboy hat. I love everything he's doing. I love that he includes Jesus and in everything he does. It's just done. It's just not going to happen. He's going to need Jesus to win that. I mean, that ain't wrong. You guys kind of gave your your thoughts on Dion and his era here at the Buffs. There's been a lot of love-hate between the fans of college football. You either love him or you hate him when it comes to Dion and these Buffs. I do believe this Cinderella story is over. He is very captivating to any fans. Like, he is building and bringing in fans that college football hasn't seen. He's creating a cult, man. Like, he has a cult following in college football. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I enjoy his speeches about effort, hard work, and earning everything you get. But these fans, man, tend to get on my nerves. It's kind of like Tebow, where the fandom outgrows the kind of the performance on the field. And I, I love these buffs. This isn't good football yet. And all these new fans the college football needs to kind of take a step back, get to know college football more before they think that these buffs are about to go on a national championship run. But that's just my thoughts on the, on the program. You guys got anything to add? Let them have their day. It's fun. It's cool. I, you know, I lived in Colorado for seven years. I loved every minute. I love the mountains. I love the atmosphere. And this is something completely different for Boulder. It's awesome. You know, they were one in 11 last year. They have everything to be excited about. I mean, even the casual fans come on out. I, the more people are excited about college football, the better life is. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Beav, enjoy the show while it's here. You know, I'm, I'm not here to hate on them. I feel like every time I have, they've proved me wrong. So I'm trying not to do that today. But, you know, these, these boys have worked their ass off. Let's be proud of that for this input out there. Dion's coached his ass off. They went from a one-win program to, guess what? They're already three wins into the season, three games into the season. So it's already a win. Yeah, their over-under was three and a half for the year. I mean, they're already almost there. They just got to get that hook. One more. One more. I mean, everybody's fandom starts somewhere, so why not with Dion here in Colorado, right? Let's get into predictions, man. I'm going to lay my prediction out there on the line. I think the Ducks cover. They win it 44-20. to 20. Beef? Oh, man. I think Colorado, the points, I think that they cover the spread. I think they keep it closer than you realize. It's just that hype train. They got that momentum. They got that ability to keep things going even when it shouldn't. Ducks win. Probably win by 10 points. Maybe a little bit more. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm confident in these Ducks. The 21 points is a big spread. I got it just slightly less. I got the game 42-24. Ducks got this in hand, but it's really hard to put that Colorado offense away. I think they score 24 points. That's fair. Let's go out to another Pac-12 game. We got number 22, UCLA Bruins against number 11, Utah. This will be the first test for UCLA. Chip has this young team producing points, but doing that in Salt Lake City against Against these Utes is another thing, man. The freshman QB has looked good. Do not confuse this because Kyle Winningham can confuse any quarterback, let alone a freshman. Bruins are in deep enemy territory and unfamiliar land. Jamie, break down this game, baby. I mean, you you set the stage perfectly there. You got that young QB and Dante Moore, and I I have full belief he's going to be exceptional and have an exceptional career. You know what? (laughs) In Utah, might not be that day, though. Those boys know how to play football. Like you said, Winningham, he he knows how to coach. He knows how to bring those boys that are hungry, three-star talents, playing like five-star, all-star, all-American players. 
you know, and so I, I'm excited. This is two defensive teams. I, you don't usually say that about UCLA, but they're the number three defense in the Pac-12 right now. Utah's got the number two. UCLA, though, they've played cupcake. They have. They haven't had a tough schedule. They've been able to play with the quarterback position. They figured out it's Dante Moore. Utah's not that team. They have been lights out on defense. I think the X factor for this game is Cam rising. You hear that? I think he's coming back. All reports are saying that he's probable. Let's see him rise from the ashes and bring this team towards the future. All right. I'm looking for Cam rising to have a big game back. Let's see the welcome back tour and lead these Utah Utes to a win. That's what I'm counting on. A Chip Kelly coach team is kind of like a pussy fart. It's intriguing, but you don't really want to see it. I don't have any faith in what he brings to the table, especially in a away game in Utah. That stadium's electric. They're going to win. If Cam Rising's back, I put it, there's absolutely no chance that UCLA wins. They are playing good. And and those small teams that you mentioned, they were actually quality small teams that they played. They haven't played any big boys, but, the, you know, it was what, San Diego State that they played and Coastal Carolina, right? Yeah. Some other cream puff yeah. that they won big against. But, NC Central. Uh, those, are, <laughs> those are bad teams. Coastal Carolina had a couple good years, and he's, they still have Grayson McCall. So I think they'll give Utah a game, but no one goes into Utah and wins easily, especially not a Chip Kelly coach team. Well, let's get into predictions. And before we do, though, what's Chip Kelly got against the North Carolinas, man? He's kind of beating up on the Carolinas. It's kind of rude. <laughs> but anyways, my prediction for this game is Utah 31, UCLA 20. Beef? Utah 28, UCLA maybe like 17. Jamie, what you got? I got this one being the close one. I got Utah 24-21. Well, let's get out to some Cougars. Let's take a look at some Beavers. Number 14, Oregon State at number 21, Washington State. These Beavers are coming for these Cougars. We talked about this being the sleeper bowl, Jamie. Even though we both agreed at number 14, you're not really sleeping at all. I mean, you're number 14 team. You're competing. But this is a nice hidden gem. Most people won't think about this game, but they should because this is college football. Get your asses in a seat. Get you some popcorn and enjoy this kind of game, man. The Beavers and Cougars is a great combination, if I say so myself. Jamie, what do you have on these Cougs and Beavs? Hey, man, I, I don't know what we should call this game. You know, the Battle of the Pack 2 I don't, I don't know, but these are the two remaining teams here. I think this should be the primetime talent here. You know, these are two good teams. They have they both have intrigued. You got DJ throwing the rock for Oregon State. You got Cam Ward slinging it for Washington State. These are good teams, and, and we have to beat a drum to a game like this, and that's the sad part, you know. Oregon, Colorado gets the limelight. Oregon is a 21-point favorite in that game. Oregon State is a three-point favorite against Washington State. These are two top 25 teams who have proven why they deserve to be top 25. And so I'm a little disappointed that we have to beat the drum to tell people to watch this game, but you absolutely should. We talk about cupcakes. Oregon State's played some cupcakes. Washington State went out and proved it like we talked about with Cam Ward. They beat Wisconsin. They beat Colorado State, handed them an ass whooping in Colorado. You know, they've proven it. Oregon State, this is their turn to prove it. I think their defense shows up. I think it's the big boys up front who are going to be the difference here. You know, I think that they know how to run the ball in Oregon State, which, oh my gosh, Washington State, they need to figure some stuff out there. I think the big boys are the difference here. Oregon State is the one I'm going for in this one. Yeah, DJ Uyunglele is a better quarterback than he gets credit for. Clemson never had an offensive line to protect him. Oregon State does. They roll into the Palouse and get this win. I, I think it's an easy win for Oregon State, honestly. What, what was the spread? Two and a half points? Is three what I saw. It might, it might be two and a half now. Yeah, they easily cover the spread and they win big. I'm with you. I'm taking the Cougs. I don't think they win as big. I think defense on both sides of the ball plays well, but give me the Beavers over the Cougs, 28 to 3. What's y'all's predictions? I'll go with 35 to 20. Yeah, I got Oregon State winning 28-21, and mainly that's just because they're traveling for this game. So that's who I'm going with. Uh, I'd like to talk about a little story, you know, with DJ I saw, you know, tweeted out about him finishing up his game, traveling south and going and watching his brother play for the University of Oregon down the street against Hawaii. I thought that was a pretty neat little story, and that's probably a big reason why he transferred to Oregon State so he could be closer to his brother. I thought that was kind of cool. 
I like it. So, Jamie, you're going out to see some Pac-12 after dark. You're going to watch Cal at Washington. So, man, get into that game. Get into Pac-12 after dark. We talk about 21-point favorites. This is another one. UW, Cal. I'm going to go check it out. I don't expect fireworks, but this is the game out of the two Pac-12 after dark games because you got UW, Cal, and you got USC at Arizona State. I see Cal could possibly be a challenge for UW. I don't suspect it, but I do think there's a chance. Lloyd Christmas here is telling me that there is a chance for Cal, and maybe I'm going to get to watch some fireworks, but I do think the Phoenix is going to overpower Cal's defense. Oh, yeah. The Phoenix is strong, at least by 35 points. It's not even a contest. I mean, they're going to do with Cal like they did with Michigan State. Wipe them out. I mean, after I seen the Phoenix, I don't doubt that man against anybody. I'm with y'all. Big win for Washington again. But thanks, Duck Man. As always, you bring that Pac-12 love and information, man. Thank, thank you much for being on the show. Hey, man. I'm just trying to get other people addicted to the quack, you know. So thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, man. Enjoy the night. Thanks, Mr. Duck. All right. We got Seattle Matt. Seattle Matt did Vegas last week. He got them bets in. He got that money. But, you know, we on to a new week. What you got for us, Matt? Wait, should we go over the standings first and see where everyone places? Because I, I just want to know. I don't know where I'm at. Yeah, we could. And uh, thank you all for having me back. And I do want to say our segments where we're looking at kind of the bigger matchups. Starting last week, I started counting AJ and Beef, uh, what their picks are, whether they want to go spread over under, doesn't matter. Just going to hold them accountable. You want to say Beef last week. Three and one. Nice job picking your games. AJ. And that one that one was what? That one was a game you actually didn't pick. So we, we held you accountable Thank, for a loss yeah, because a if you can't choose, then you lose. Um so that's where your loss came in. AJ two and two. Nah, I ain't gonna give you anything for going fifty percent, not bad. I did go thirteen and eight last week, getting right above five hundred. So I'm above five hundred. B's above five hundred. AJ, what you think about that? You know, I didn't win any money, I didn't lose any money, but I ain't making it rain like y'all y'all are doing, so I gotta catch up. I gotta catch up. You're still getting fucked by Vegas. And we got the cameras, we got them rolling. I mean, you guys are missing out on the show. It's about being the man in the arena. You guys wanna film? You could be in the show, but do your thing. Do your thing. Man, I'm I'm just sitting back at that spearmint rhino sipping my drinks and watching you with that dildo in your ass. Show's a show. Let's gotta go. Holster it somewhere. Yeah. Well, we got Let's seven you games got. this week for you two to pick on. We're going to talk about them as well, too. So why don't we dive right in and see which one you want to hit on first. Let's go Ohio State, Notre Dame. Let's do the big one. Let's start big. Which one? Ohio State, Notre Dame. Let's start big, man. Absolutely. Well... This is one, you got two top 10 matchups here. You got a spread that is currently sitting at three and a half. It started at three. So what we're seeing from everybody is pretty tight one score affair. Over under started at 54. It is now up to 55 and a half. I think you can credit quite a bit of this of what you saw last week. Kyle McCord named the starter, putting up 62 against Western Kentucky. Uh, looking at all of this, this is a game typically top 10 matchups. Vegas usually has a pretty good feel on. I stay away. However, looking at something like this, you look at last year's game, 21 to 10, I know it was a week one game. I don't think Ohio State has really found their stride. I think their defense is playing at a level we haven't seen in a decade at Ohio State. Notre Dame, still not sure what to make of them. That non-conference or that schedule so far has not been really appealing. I really like the under in a game like this. What do you two think? Go ahead, B. Break it down. The under is a good pick, but I got Notre Dame. They're going to go against the point spread. They'll keep it under three. All right. I will also take the under, but I think Ohio State wins by more than three and a half. But definitely under. Ohio State wins by four or more. Give me that one. You want four or more or you want the and under? Just for the record. I want four for the like for the win, and then I'll take under on points. Fair so you're doing a double bet here? Double bet. Um, I mean, just for the record, we're not going to count this. Um, but I, I'm going to pick Notre Dame to win, I think. Really? Yeah, unfortunately. I don't feel good about it, but yeah. I mean, they just have, they have the quarterback to do it. It's a quarterback's game. They do. And I think you're seeing that with that uh, over-under going up a point and a half. I think they're they're betting on quarterback play being a factor here. So you might be on to something. What's up next? 
We do, we going down to the ACC? Yes, sir, we are. And it looks like we have number four Florida State traveling to the South Carolina Death Valley in Clemson. Now, this line started at one and a half. When you're looking at a number four ranked team going on the road versus an unranked team, a one and a half spread kind of makes you scratch your head. The spread's now up to two and a half. Over under has stayed flat through the entire process at 55. So I'm sure you two have talked about this quite a bit. You're seeing basically a field goal spread and under on this. Uh, let's start with you, Beef. Where where are you where are you leaning? Florida State at Clemson. It's easy. Florida State by 14 or more. Not even close. And what about you, AJ? I'm going to take over on the points. I think Clemson is going to play a tight game. Florida State is like Tennessee. They have a lot of hard time. Right. They have a hard time traveling to Death Valley, much like Tennessee does in the swamp. So close game. Florida State wins. I think it's going to be a four-point game, but it's definitely going to be closer than Beavs 14. I don't know. I, maybe Florida State got that scare last week. Uh, lots of days ago up at Boston College. Uh, Clemson doesn't just seem to be getting their offense right. There's just a lot of unknown variables here. Wish this game was a little bit later in the season. I think you'd have a better feel of the two teams, but um, got, you, got you all marked down for those. All right. All right, man. The big one. Yeah. As far as viewers go, primetime, Neon Dion. Taking on Dan Lanning's Ducks in Oregon. What's this, what you got for us, Matt? Yeah, I mean, this is one every week with Colorado. You are seeing these crazy spreads going on. Whether it's week one against TCU, they were 21-point underdogs, one outright. Last week, they were 23.5-point favorites against Colorado State. Needed double overtime against a terrible Rams team to survive. So they are just all over the spectrum. I think Vegas has no idea where to peg this team. This spread started at minus 20 Oregon. Now it is at Autzen Stadium. They're now at minus 21. So the what it's really looking like is the betting public is not buying Colorado. Now you do really need to factor in Travis Hunter being down. That kid is incredible. People forget he was the number one overall recruit in college football. Went to Jackson State. The guy's a two-way player. Absolute stud. He's out for a few weeks. That is going to really hurt the Buffaloes. Let's go. Let's start with you, Beef. Where are you thinking here? Oh, you know, I wanted to take Colorado to cover the spread, but man, that Travis Hunter thing got me thinking. He is a stud. I mean, he's all around. He he affects their offense. He affects their defense. Everything. I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm going to just go Oregon straight up. Straight up. All right. And you know what, AJ? I'll give you the benefit of that. I didn't give you an over-under here. Started at 72 and a half. It is now down to 70 and a half. So a two-point difference when you're dealing with 72 total points in a game, not a huge factor, but it definitely tells you money is leaning towards the under here. Uh, with that being said, what are your thoughts? I'm taking the under. I think Oregon scores a lot of points. I think Colorado gets a little shocked at some real competition and they kind of fall asleep or get knocked out and don't put up a lot of points. So under. For me, I like that, man. You've got a nice under trend going. And I'll tell you what, that is a very good way to win. Betting public predominantly goes over on games. Everyone likes points. They like excitement. Under is where it's at. So, so far, you, you've got a nice trend going. You better get a good trend going. Who got needs catch trends? Up. Got to catch up, bro. Well, I'm, I'm trending like Dion. What you talking about? I'm trending. Uh-huh. Yeah. Dion's winning. Yes, he is. I don't see no ties coming out of Dion. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's go. Beef's just going to keep this going all damn day. He, you know, he's got to be over there spitting out words. But let's get with UCLA and Utah. What you got for me, Matt? Yeah, honestly, I think this is two ranked teams at the moment that, in my opinion, may not be ranked at the end of the season. I mean, Utah still hasn't seen Kim Rising come back, so we don't really know what they're going to be right now. UCLA, number 22, haven't seen a whole lot out of them. That Coastal Carolina, what they have, not the same Coastal Carolina we knew and loved from a couple of years ago. Utah's playing at home. They started out, though, minus six. That has dropped to minus four and a half. I think that's really odd for a team like UCLA. Doesn't show a lot. That points that line's dropped a point and a half. Uh, the line has actually gone up from 51 and a half to 52 and a half on the spread. I'm going to start with you, Beef. Where are you thinking? Where's your head at here? I'm at the under. All day. All right. So you're stealing AJ's takes. I got it. All right. 
How about you? I've taken the under too. I think UCLA gets a little shocked by some a team that can actually play defense. Utah, I mean, they're not ever going to put up a lot of points, especially without rising. So give me the under. Yeah. And it'll be nice to see when he does come back what this Utah team looks like. But right now they're treading water and, you know, being number 11 and treading water is not a bad place to be. So, All right. Well, man, you have a huge game out here. Saban's ass is on the line. Ole Miss and Alabama, Matt. Man, break this one down. Hey, there ain't no asses on the line. Let's be honest. Yeah, I think when you've got a statue waiting for you to be built, it may already be built. I don't know. I ain't been Tuscaloosa. That guy can retire whenever he wants and be happy as a clam. With that being said... So when I say asses on the line... So let me clarify. When I say his asses on the line, I don't mean his job is in jeopardy. I mean the season's in jeopardy. Oh, it's in serious okay, jeopardy. Okay. I, I think I think two losses... A little bit of walk back. Two losses after four games at Alabama. They're going to get their pitchforks and their torches ready down there. With that being said, right now, this Alabama team does not look like a Nick Saban Alabama team. You know, you're benching your starting quarterback because of lackluster effort in practice. Your second and third string quarterback can do absolutely nothing against a putrid South Florida team. I don't care if the game was in South Florida. That was a terrible performance. With that being said, I never trust anything Lane Kiffin touches. I just don't trust it whatsoever. Right now, this spread is at minus seven. It has stayed at minus seven. That is telling me the betting public has no idea what Alabama team you're going to see. They could win this game by 42. It could be another white knuckler like the last few weeks have been. Over under has stayed pretty flat as well too, right around 55. It's at 55 and a half right now. But when you see these kind of spreads in a big game where there's just not a lot of movement, it tells you nobody has a good reader feel on this game. Since nobody else has a good reader feel, the nation's going to depend on you two to tell us where we should go here. I got a great feel on it. Ole Miss covers the spread easy. They win the game. I think too. the nation the nation is fucked if they're counting on us. <laughs> they're fucked. They are. Not Man. with me. I'm really undefeated, let's be honest. No, when you don't pick, you lose. That ain't true. Well, I I'm going to take, take the under. Give me the under. Because I think Alabama wins it. And if Alabama wins it, they're not scoring a lot of points. So give me the under. I like it. Yeah. I think a lot of these trends too, too. I think, I think AJ, you're catching on really good. These teams are still finding themselves offensively. Under has been a pretty popular pick early on. I think you're riding something here. Riding that under train, huh? I'm on the lane train, baby. Let's go ahead. Let's get to the whiteout, man. One of the best atmospheres in college football. Iowa's come to town at Penn State. What you got in this one? What's the spread? Yeah. Spread early on, minus 14, that is risen to 14 and a half. You saw very similar action last week with Illinois and Penn State staying at that 14, 14 and a half. Sometimes hooks scare people. You know, Penn State covered that spread easily last week against Illinois. They are at home this week. That over-under, you're seeing a Iowa-Penn State over-under. It started at 41 and a half. We're now at 40 and a half. Again, these are NFL over-under spreads, not college football. This looks like a hard-nosed Got it out, defensive type struggle. Uh, you know, that under looks kind of appealing. But again, when you start doing the math, 41, 42 points aren't hard to get to. With that, let's start with you, AJ. Where are you taking this game? I am taking my first over. I think Penn State puts it on Iowa. Brian Ferentz is once again anemic, but Penn State makes up the points that they don't score. So you think Penn State can put up like 35 in this game? Because I think Iowa scoring seven could be a miracle. Yeah, I'm thinking All right. I'm taking the over. I think Penn State's going to put it on them and put them on them hard. I agree with you. I agree. I think this line is deceptive. I, I, I think that number 25 ranking is throwing off the spread a little bit, in my opinion. Beef, what about you? Going the under. You're going at under at 40 and a half. Dude, these are two tough defenses. That, just wait, man. There's not going to be much fireworks. Iowa's going to keep them from scoring, but Iowa's not going to score any points. Yeah. You liking what you see I mean, from Drew Hour so far? If, as I am. I am. Yeah, I am. I, one more year and he's going to be fucking fire. He's going to be everywhere. But listen, I mean, if Iowa at the most scores 14 points, at the very most, and I think they'll stop Penn State from scoring. So it's going to be like a 21-14 type game. 21-10. Oh, I mean, I think 20. if Iowa scores 14 points, it'd be a miracle. Oh, yeah. yeah. First up, we got the two and only two Pac-12 teams remaining. I would not sleep on the Beavers or the Cougars. Washington State, tough place to play. Sleep on or sleep with? On, Cougar. with, together, separate. I don't know if you can differentiate between the two. In, I, in or around? 
I would be looking here. The fact that this game is in Pullman on the Palouse, they proved a couple weeks ago with Wisconsin coming in. That is a tough place to play, especially in the afternoon. I think that fan base is really riled up. Where are you leaning, Beef? Before I say the that, beef. why don't I why don't I get you some spreads and over unders? Sorry, being out here in the Pacific Northwest, we're passionate about our beavers. Yeah, spread spread the beaver. Yeah, spread the beaver. Why don't you? Well, this game started minus three with the beavers. It is now down to two and a half over under. We have seen some movement started at fifty six. It is now up to fifty seven and a half. These are teams that have do have the ability to put points on the board. Now that I've laid it out for you, Beaver, where are you leaning? What is this, a Hustler magazine? You're giving me the spread on the beaver? Yes, I am. You can take the lovely cougar in the corner. (laughs) I will take the beeves. I mean, I am a beave. I'll take the beeves. They got this game straight up. AJ, your thoughts on this uh, titillating matchup? I mean, if you're under or over the beaver, you can't go wrong. If you're over and under on the cougar, can't go wrong. But I'm taking the under. On the point spread, uh, Beavers pull it out just in time. Damn, the Beavers pull it out. That's impressive. That's some old woman shit. That's like a cougar. She knows what she's doing. She Can't does. You know what time it is, Beav? You know what time it is, Beav? Rapid fire. It's rapid. Rapid fire. Yep. Go ahead, Matt. Give us a rapid out. fire. All right. First rapid fire. We got a Friday night matchup where I'm pretty sure you're going to see the Beav and AJ in attendance. Wisconsin, Purdue, West Lafayette, Friday night. Wisconsin minus six. Over under at fifty three. I I like Wisconsin here, but I want to hear from you all. What are your thoughts, Wisconsin? Nice. Next we have the next we have the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers traveling to Ann Arbor to take on the number two Michigan Wolverines. This line started at minus twenty six. It is now down to minus twenty four. Over hundred stayed pretty flat at forty four and a half. Pretty low one. I try not to pick with emotion here. I like Scarlet Knights with the points. What do you all think? I'm with you. Rutgers yeah, with covers. you. Rutgers covers. Oh, we're in all in agreement. I like Cheers it. to that. Next. That is a beautiful combination. Next, we have Maryland traveling to East Lansing to take on Michigan State Spartans. This line is sneaky weird. You got Maryland minus seven and a half. It's play, it stayed pretty consistent throughout the week. That over under a 52 and a half. I don't know if, if a lot of the nation saw last week. Washington went in and just laid the hammer down on Michigan State. That program is reeling. That program doesn't have the talent. They are not focused. Give me Maryland all day here. 54 With you to again, 14. Matt. Maryland all day. 54 to 14. I go the over. You like the over on that. Nice. Could be. Maryland puts up a lot of points. Next, uh, a high candidate for the Burns when you pee game for the week. Unfortunately, we put in the rapid fire segment. The Golden Gophers of Maryland, minus 11. Traveling to Evanston to take on Northwestern. This over under is an embarrassing 39 and a half. Forced to pick this one. Minnesota wins 14 to 3. I think it's a push on the spread. Over under probably goes under, but that is a disgusting under to go on. What do you two have? You know, the funny thing about it is I got to go under. I'm going to go under too. Anytime you mix gophers and Northwestern boys in the showers, things can get ugly. Uh, but the under. I like it too. That's a tough under, but it's a good one. Next, we have number five, USC Trojans traveling to Tempe to take on Arizona State. This line has gone crazy. It started at 30 and a half. It is now at 35 and a half. You're seeing the over-under sting right around 61 and a half, 62. But you're seeing a five-point jump right there. Betting public thinks USC. USC's riding high. Arizona State has looked terrible this year. I would I would seriously consider 35 with the hook taking the Trojans. What about you two? I'm going over. Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the over, taking the hook, Trojans. I'm going over. Like it. And last rapid fire, the Golden Bears of Cow coming up to Seattle. Line has stayed very consistent all week at 20 and a half. That's kind of a weird line. Over under started at 63, now down to 60 and a half. California has shown that they can put up some points. I know that Auburn game was a little funny, but other than that, Cal has put up some points. Washington, you've heard me say it on this podcast before, they might be one of the best offenses at this moment in college football. They're going to put up a ton of points at home. Weather's supposed to be good this weekend. I will take the over in this game. What are you two at? I'm taking the under. California plays some defense, but kind of lacks lackluster on score like they were without Auburn. Under. Ah, uh, not so fast. I'm going over. 
Yeah, I like. The Actually, idea. you know what? I'll take I'll take Washington with the points. Yeah, they're going to beat them by more than twenty one. What's nice is you're seeing that twenty and a half because it, it really what you really want to see is them extending that to twenty one, twenty one and a half. That's when the line gets really juicy with that hook. The fact that it's staying at twenty and a half tells you money's kind of going both ways here. But I'll also tell you the first three weeks. Lines have been very off with Cal. Vegas doesn't seem to have a good uh, pin on them. So very interesting to see what happens here. It's easy. The pin. All right, let's man. do it. Take them all let's day. do it. I think we have one game left, Beef. Do we have one game left? Oh, shit. What game you got for me this week? What shitty game? I thought you could just do Minnesota Northwestern. We'll call it a day. I mean, we, we did discuss in our pre-work about just having every Northwestern game in the Burns when you pee game of the week because, <laughs> quite frankly, nobody should be watching Northwestern play football this year. But here on this podcast, we like to talk about all of college football. We like the diversity component of it. So we're going to scour the country for some of the worst college football games of the year. And uh, I think I got one for you. All right, Beav, I'm going to put you on the spot. Sam Houston State University. In what city are they located? It could be a trick question. It could be a trick question. It may not be a trick question. San Antonio. No, they are located in Huntsville, Texas. The Sam Houston State University is traveling down the road to take on the Houston Cougars. Now, first off, Sam Houston State was an SES team last year. They're now an FBS team. This is their first year, and so far, it just hasn't looked good for them. They're not doing anything on offense, look very pedestrian. Also, Houston, by the way, they're in here because they're 1-2, and two, and they have not looked very good. They had that week one win against UTSA. That team has not looked good whatsoever. They've been overhyped all along. Houston has looked terrible. Sam Houston State looks like they need to go back to the FCS. So that is why this game, week four, is sitting in this spot. I have the Houston Cougars at minus 12. We have an over-under at 37. Again, when you start getting under 40, that is embarrassing in college football. This is at 37. So, B. 37 is low. Beav, this, is, this is tough. You can also tell the crowd the fact that last week you picked New Mexico State. They won straight up. I'm sorry, plus two, you picked them. They won straight up. You were 2 and 0 on the year in these games. So, clearly, you know what bad football is going to be about. Where are you going here? (laughs) I know bad football because I played bad football. So I know shitty football when I see it, and I go with Dana Holgram and the fighting Houston Cougars. I love Scotlands. At minus 12. Yeah, I'll take the points. All right, AJ, you heard it. We're locking them in. Houston Cougars, minus 12. Got it. Written down by Burn When He Pees this time. Hey, I'm going to be I have an undefeated Burns When You Pee record this season. Nah, it's never going to happen. Yeah, AJ, As I sit AJ and I are going to really dig in the well next week for you. If you if you keep winning, we're going to have to get creative here. I'm going to take the under on that one for sure. <sighs> I was taking the under on him saying he was going undefeated, by the, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's obvious. <laughs> we'll get a line for that. I don't even week. know. I don't even know the teams. Right on. Well, Matt, as always, it's a pleasure having you on, vet talking, and damn, did you do Vegas right this week. Good job. Thank you all. Everybody have a good weekend. Please gamble responsibly. Thanks for coming, my man. All right, Big Ten Backers is out. As always, we thank you all for listening. We appreciate the love and support. Remember to follow the podcast, like the podcast, and share the podcast. God bless. Big Ten Backers Podcast. Follow our sponsors at NIL Fanboat on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and the thread. Also, visit the website, NILFanboat.com. Oh, no Midwest goodbye today. Yeah.